What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 91. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Jessica, and uh, she's with Pristine Podcasts. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. I've been excited about this, and uh, as I was mentioning earlier, a little technical difficulty today, but <laughs> we got that all sorted out. We're so. Here now. And um, yeah, so I'm going to start off the podcasts like I always start out. And why don't you give us a brief bio or detailed bio of where you started to where you are today and uh, what you do today and why you chose that? Yeah, sure. So my name is Jessica Dorneden, the weirdest surname because I'm actually German and um I don't know, I've never been the person that ended up doing things the traditional way how you're supposed to do it. So that's probably how I got here in the first place. Um, so I am super passionate about all things marketing, be it strategy or implementation. And I am the co-founder at Pristine Podcasts, a podcast production marketing agency that I run together with my partner, which has its own challenges you could say. <laughs> if anyone's ever done it, they know what I'm on about. Um, so yeah, I'm 32. I am from Germany. I lived in the UK for about 10 years and I've now been in Albania for the last three years. So that's kind of a bit of a different um, environment to be in. Um, and what got me here wasn't really the straight pathway. Um, I originally studied early childhood and it was one of those things where I got into it, I liked doing it, and then after a few years, I sort of reached the top of the daycare chain. I was like, okay, I'm the manager, like I'm responsible for the finances, recruitment, um, team building, marketing, and the whole thing. And I was like, I'm kind of earning 24,000 pounds a year. I'm responsible for 60 small people, and this is kind of not enough. And that's when I started researching, like, what are some other things that I could be doing? Is there anything that I can start building up on the side to sort of not just subsidize my income, but also make a bit of a new pathway for myself? And that's when I clicked on a Facebook ad one night, scrolling around as you do. And I ended up learning about online business. And I was like, what, what do you mean there's people like working on the internet? Like... Where have I been living to not know about that? And yeah, that's how I got started. I started out kind of down the virtual assistance pathway with a major focus on kind of techie things because it's something that I've always enjoyed. And then slowly I got more into marketing and then I discovered podcasting because usually I'm on audio and not on video. So if I have a bad hair day, it doesn't matter so much. I don't have to put so much effort into that and I can just, you know, create the content and be be done with it. Um, and that's sort of how I got into doing podcasting. And then I met my boyfriend and he has been doing audio work for some time. So we kind of put our two brains um, together, him on the technical front and me on the marketing front. So, yeah, that's. Well, that's the, a <laughs> Sure is. It's the roundabout way of where I got to today, left, right. Well, it's never a straight path, is it? No, no, I, I couldn't say so. And I think I had to do all the things that I that I did along the way. Like if I had been in a really well-paying job, I think I would have stayed there. If I'd 
not done virtual assistants, I wouldn't have learned more about marketing. I wouldn't have really discovered podcasting in that way. So I don't think I would be where I am today if I hadn't taken those steps. Yeah, well, they say everything you do in life is, uh, is, uh, is the process to getting to where you want to go. So, I mean, if you didn't do something, then what you're doing today wouldn't be the same. So, yeah. it's, you know, like, like where sometimes, you know, people go back and say, well, if I had the chance to redo it, I would do this or I would do that. And reality is you wouldn't be where you are if that was the case. So, no, no, I had plenty of times where I thought um, that that wasn't a smart decision or that I chose to work with someone or not work with someone and it didn't go the way it was planned. And I should have decided differently. But then I was like, actually, the amount of learning experiences that I've had, some of you know, which were quite expensive or hurt quite a lot or wasted quite a lot of time of sorts, but they were all, I don't know, they were all super important. And I think I took something from each and every single one of those experiences as much as some of them hurt a lot. Yeah, of course, uh, you know, growing pains, I guess, if you want to call it that it's, um, you know, but it's interesting. I mean, in a sense, even though there is some negative you know, that happens to us as entrepreneurs. And, you know, when we venture out, there's a lot of positives out there too. Things that, um, you know, you never think you would experience and you kind of learn new things. So going forward, you become a wealth of knowledge and it gives you more opportunity as a result. Mm, I agree. And I think if I, what one of the biggest things that's made a, that's made a difference in my life um, is that, since I started running my own business, it I had to learn so many things and many of them had nothing to do with business. Like I, I don't know if you want to say that I'm just, you know, a normal creative person, but like I can start 100 projects and finish absolutely zero of them, just like, you know, lots of us probably can. Um, and I was never particularly good at setting boundaries I was never really particularly good at not just selling I mean I, I could sell other people's things but like my own things or my own services like it was never something where I was like nope like I'm gonna stand up for that and so much has changed like I had to learn all of these things because I couldn't carry on running a business not being able to set boundaries with my clients because I'd be working 24 7 and I couldn't carry on um you know not selling the things that we do because I feel like oh maybe it's not quite good enough you know maybe I should if I practiced a little bit more maybe then I could and I had to like stop so I, I had to learn and develop all of these huge amounts of skills over time that now they're super handy everywhere yeah well how did you come to that like like what I mean is that you know like, it's like you said it, you know, like you didn't know how to do boundaries and, you know I mean? How did, how did you come across it? And what was the point that you realized that and how did you tackle it? Cause I mean, I'm sure it's like, like you woke up and just said, Oh, I've got boundaries today. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, I, I particularly didn't have any, I think the, the, the one night where I really clocked on to the fact that something needs to change is when I was on holiday and we'd actually gone to Vienna with a load of friends. And it was about three or four in the morning. And I wouldn't normally be awake at that time. I'm very much like uh, I go to bed about 10 and I get up at six sort of person. So relatively boring. 
Um, but yeah, we were up at 3 or 4 a.m. because, you know, a special occasion holiday. And one of my clients was like incessantly messaging me at 3 a.m. because they saw that I was online and they were expecting me to like reply to deal with their, in that case, self-inflicted tech issue at 3 o'clock in the morning. So I was like, right, um, this isn't normal. And I ended up replying, I said, just to let you know, like, it's three o'clock in the morning here. Like, I've just seen this through coincidence, but I am not gonna, you know, deal with this right now because I'm about to go to bed. End off. But I, I was thinking about it and I'm, I thought, how could people be so rude? How could they be sending me messages at this time of day? And then I thought, well, previously, if you sent me a message at 10 p.m. and you decided it was urgent, I would reply. I would start looking at, you know, whatever problem it is that you're having. I, I would do those things. So it wasn't their fault. It was my fault for never setting any boundaries. I didn't communicate my working hours. I didn't actually even stop working because initially when I built the business, I had a full-time job. So I did everything in the evenings, at the weekends. So they kind of got into a habit of being able to constantly message me on whatever platform was convenient for them, not, not where I wanted them to ideally communicate with me. So I just realized that I had never really communicated those boundaries up front. And now I was kind of dealing with the consequences of that at the back end. And that was when I realized that if I didn't want to be expected to, you know, work 24 hours a day, particularly dealing with people in different time zones, I would have to do something about it. And that's when I started, you know, reading more about how do you even set a boundary? Like, how do I approach the conversation? What if they leave? You know, what if they're like, oh, I can't deal with this. I need you to be responding during my working hours, blah, blah, blah. What, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? And yeah, it took a lot of uncomfortable conversations, but it, I, I couldn't have continued that way. So it was just a, a much needed learning experience. See, I love how you took responsibility of that, like not setting boundaries from the beginning. It wasn't just blaming them because it's so easy to get frustrated and, and you know wondering if that person has any common sense or logic because you're going like you said it's 2 a.m or 3 a.m or and you're like like dude do you have any logic here do you really expect someone to answer at that time but it goes back to what you said you never set up those boundaries so you took responsibility and then created a system for that so that that was awesome i mean because it's easy just to blame other people yeah and i think that's what i used to do I used to just say, oh, it, it was how that person spoke to me or it was, you know, out of my control or whatever. And that was like, that's what I mean. Like so many things that I've had to develop as skills have nothing to do with knowledge that I had to pick up or anything. I just had to kind of grow up a bit and I just had to say, okay, right. Yep. I broke that. I'm, I'm going to go fix it. But yeah, I, I own that. I, I broke it. Totally my fault. Sorry about that. Like I had to learn how to genuinely apologize and how to make sure that that's actually received, like the other person receives that in the way that it's, that it's meant. I had to get way better communication skills in general. Um, things like follow through. It, it was super hard for, for me to say, oh, well, you know, I've had a really bad day and I'm, I'm super tired and whatever. But it comes back down to integrity and like I said I was going to do that today and I know that I am tired but 
either I have to reach out to that person, I have to communicate with them, I have to check if it's okay if I do it tomorrow. And most of the time, actually, you'll figure out that you don't need to overwork yourself. If you do say, hey, everything got out of hand today, could I send this to you tomorrow? Mostly people are okay with that, but you do have to say it. And I, that those are skills that I didn't have. I would have just left it or I would have forced myself to like push through and then potentially make mistakes. And um, they, they were just things where I can't say that anyone in a job has ever taught me what to do in those situations. You know, most of the time being in daycare in particular, everything was very much here and now. And that's how we used to work. You know, baby's crying now, baby needs food now, baby goes home at 6 p.m., nothing else to worry about you go home you sleep peacefully at night because you kind of did your thing um and then I realized that with all these different projects on the go and the more clients I had the harder it kind of became to keep a tab on all the things that needed doing and to keep communicating before people were asking so yeah it's for sure I don't know growth and learning curve absolutely now and that's the other thing right like once you set boundaries and all that like i mean like like you said mistakes come up right and and no matter what you do and how much you prepare you know some mistakes are going to happen regardless because you know we're human beings nobody's perfect and sometimes circumstances change before you realize they changed mm. and things just go uh a different way than you planned so how do you deal with that once you realize like things are not going in the right direction how do, how do you uh, pivot and change? Like, how do you deal with that? Mm, really good question. I, I think it depends if it's something that I did. Like, sometimes, like, like you said, sometimes you can't actually even see it. You get completely blindsided by the thing that happened. Um, if I discover something that's just gone wrong somewhere and I don't even know where it's come from, um, particularly because I did a lot of tech stuff, that would happen a lot. Like, I'll give an example, but we launched something for a client last week. And... Um, Active campaign just didn't work the way it was supposed to work and their support, you know, said, yes, this didn't work the way it's supposed to work. We've passed it on to our development team, but that's it. So it happened. We got blindsided by it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I still like that area of the launch is my area of responsibility. You know, the marketing has to work. It did not. Yes, I couldn't see it coming, but I still have to try and mitigate that whole thing. I have to communicate to the client about it and then come up with some sort of plan on how we're going to fix it. In that case, just, you know, send the email manually to people. But you still need to own whatever you can of that process and, you know, come up with a plan. Don't come with a problem and be like, hey, oh, this didn't work. What are we going to do? Because I've learned very quickly that your clients realistically don't want you to bring more problems to them. They have enough of their own problems. They want you to come with a solution. And that is like the best thing that you can do. If it's something that you owned it, I think the main thing that I've learned is that you need to say so. I'm like, there's no point to try and hide the fact that you didn't do something the way it was supposed to be done because it's going to happen. We all make mistakes. But people want to know, A, that you can own it and that you see where it went wrong. And they also often want to know, what are you going to do to make sure that this is not going to happen again the following week? And I think that again is like a solution focused thing. So I can say, hey, for example, I don't work very well when I get constantly interrupted. So Slack to me is like a great tool, but I got to turn it off. And I had to say to clients where, hey, you have, to, you have two options now. Either you want me to respond like within the hour 
during my working hours that is but you want me to respond immediately and I need to keep slack open or you want me to do my work and you want me to not make any silly mistakes but you can't have both so I think owning it is important coming with solutions is important and then also just communicating very quick clearly about what you can and can't do for the future has also been like super important for me Makes total sense. And again, it comes back to setting up boundaries. So I like how you said that because essentially the definition of an entrepreneur is a problem solver, mm. right? So when you're bringing back the problems to the client, well, you're not really being the problem solver. So it kind of takes out the entrepreneur side, right? Because really that's what we do. We, pro we provide solutions to problems other people have. Mm. Um, but yeah. You also have another thing that I went through as well and I had to overcome. So I'm curious how you overcame that. And that's the need for perfection. Like when I go into something, I go all in. For example, I didn't, you know, like for example, we even take equipment. I didn't start off with the $80 webcam and the mm. $20 mic. And you know what I mean? I had to do it. I had to be perfect. So right out of the bat, before I even know how far I'm going to take it, what I do, I'm, I'm, I got the Sony camera with the, uh, with the 1.8 uh, F-stop uh, lens. Mm. And, you know what I mean? I've got the fancy uh, microphone and you know what I mean? I've got everything going on top of the line Mac. I'm like all in there. Everything's got to be perfect. And then you hit the button and it's like, Oh, I didn't think of that. Right. And then you have to deal with <laughs> obstacles when as a result, of your perfection now at some point in time you got to realize that good enough is good enough and so where i'm going with this is what point did you realize that good enough is good enough and perfection was sort of going to take the back seat until you can figure it out mm, really good question i'm not sure i'm not sure i've got that figured out um i've got it figured out in some things but not in others so um i think because of the way I've been working and because marketing is something that heavily relies on numbers. So that's something that lots of people, you know, they, they think, okay, I'm going to do social media marketing, AKA I'm going to create pretty graphics and, you know, I'm going to schedule them. Well, actually what we do needs to be reliant on numbers. So you do something and then you check if it's working and then you do something else and you check if it's working. So I very quickly learned through that work that actually sometimes it's more important to ship the thing to get feedback, to get data, to then make the thing better in the right direction because sometimes you don't know which is actually the part that really makes a difference for people. So when it comes to that, I've learned that actually to start with the way more basic page, to start with the way more basic email sequence, to start with, the way, more, with way more basic equipment and just to see if it's actually working for you um, is more important than to aim for perfect because perfect sometimes takes a long time to get in place and like I am nothing that I do on this front particularly when it comes to content is is perfect and I don't think it ever really will be so on that front I think I learned that shipping it the quicker you ship it the quicker you get data the quicker you can make it better in the right way but then there's other things where um when it comes to perfectionism like internal Thoughts wise, I am super hyper critical of my work. And I, I know when I've kind of tried to give it my best, and I know immediately when I'm not. And that's when I'm not really okay with it. So 
yeah, externally I got it figured out, but internally I'm not sure if you if you know what I mean with that difference. Oh yeah, you got that constant fight. Sometimes you just got to release something because you know it's time, so you release it. But internally, it's you're battling it. And I've done that myself, where sometimes I've settled with good enough, and mm -hmm. then I'll end up going to correct it while it's in play, mm -hmm. knowing full well that's going to cost me more. But because it's bothering me, I do it anyways. Yeah. And um, yeah, like it's that constant fight. Uh, I, mean, I mean, what I'm good at is executing. I'm very good at executing. But I don't settle it. Even I, I've had things myself where I've released something, I've done something. Externally, everybody's happy than a pigger and crap. Right. And but inside is bothering me. And even though it's mm -hmm. working and it's outstanding and nobody knows the difference, I know the difference. So yeah. it bothers me until I fix it. Yeah. Right? So like even and, and then sometimes you fix it and it's as close to perfect as you're going to get. Like because you, like you said, you're never going to be 100 percent perfect. But it's gonna. There's a certain level where it's close enough that you can accept it, right? So we also know when we've been half-assing it, right? So we kind yes. of know I didn't give it my all. Like I'm okay if I made the decision. Like I made the decision to start the podcast, for example, with what I had because I had a mic that someone gave me, and you know it wasn't really fit for purpose for this, you know, environment that I'm in, which is a home, not a studio, end off, you know. So I started with it anyways, because I knew that for what I wanted to do, that was good enough. And I knew that because obviously my partner edits, he would be able to fix the majority of issues with it. And I'm like, I'm just going to see if it's got legs to stand on. So I'm just going to put it out there. But then I was like, okay, now that we've gotten to season three, I was like, I'm going to replace this because I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it and it bugs me and I kind of have to go and do something about it. And then I'm thinking about content, right? I covered these things, but now I, I really want to go a little bit deeper and I'm not happy to just keep rushing it that way. So I got to do something about that. Um, unfortunately, sometimes I think the consequence of that is that I can very easily waste a lot of time on stuff that really at the end of the day, isn't going to make a huge amount of difference to our business, for example, or to my client. Um, so yeah, it, it's a tough thing to, to balance and to know when to just call it quits and to say like, I'm going to stop fiddling with this now and just put it out of my mind somewhere. For sure. And again, it goes to a saying that I always say, done is better than perfect. Mm. Right. But uh, again, I have the internal battle. Doesn't you know? I follow the done is better perfect principle. Yeah, but I still have the internal battle. Mm. And I so, I think it's hard because I'm I'm trying to tell that to clients as well, right? I'm like, I know you want to keep fiddling with this, but can we get data? Even if it's just can we get 500 eyeballs on this landing page just so that we know where we're at right now? Like if we're at a 40% conversion rate for this landing page, realistically, it's good enough for us to run traffic to it for you to start making money while we split test it and make it better. So I, I am trying really hard to just focus on doing enough to get the result that we want to get. And still, sometimes it's hard. Yeah, I get it. Now, you, you also mentioned that uh, you were from Germany and you moved. Mm. So my question, what was the inspiration for the move? The, the first one or the second one? <laughs> so the, the first one I got fed up. I was like, 
I grew up in this little village in Germany. I've been to school um, and then I got kind of tired of the same old things. And I was like, right, you know, well, I finished school. I'm going to go out into the big, scary world. And I don't know. I just wanted to go to a country where I would be speaking English the majority of the time because I kind of felt like it was important. I didn't know why. I also didn't know what I wanted to study. So all my friends had already picked something to go to university for. And I'm like, how can you pick something to study when you've never worked in that job for a day in your life? You don't know anyone that does this job and you just pick it and you're going to study it for three years. I'm like, I'm not sure I want to be doing that. Like I like interior design. I like music. I like logistics. I like I like all sorts of different things. I wouldn't know which one to pick. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go to London big place lots of people I'm gonna work some different jobs I'm even gonna see what I like and what I don't like um and then I got settled in over there spent quite a long time there until I ended up separating from my ex and the weather was kind of getting to me big time like I don't know like winter super long super dark super miserable I wasn't really having any energy um so yeah and then I decided that like a change was needed eventually I met my boyfriend he was from down here and 300 and I don't know 310 days of sunshine a year sounded good enough to me so that's how I ended up moving the second time and this is very different obviously yeah yeah so I found that interesting I mean like I, I can relate to the whole winter part I mean because where I'm from it's even winter now I mean, it's minus something outside, um, and it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, got snow that is high as my waist or higher hmm. right? certain parts, and it just ugh. So, um, but then again, I'm yeah. also Mister Opposite. Winter time when it's cold, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for summer. Summer shows up, oh, it's too hot. I can't wait for winter. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's I was also gonna say you can also get the summer depression because obviously, in comparison to Northern Europe. It is 40, 42 degrees Celsius, whatever that is in Fahrenheit. I don't even know, but it must be hot, hot. Um, it is so hot that you basically can't be outside in the sunshine in the daytime for like, unless you're by the beach, literally, and you're going to go in the water every 15 minutes. But if you're not by the beach, it is like unpleasant. There is no air. And a lot of people here drive very old cars still because, you know, people don't earn a lot of money. So the air is really, 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 really bad when you're walking around outside. So it's hot. You've got these fumes in the air. There's like this cloud of smog over the city. And it's like, I can't breathe when I'm walking around outside. So basically in summer, from middle of June to the end of August, you're in the house with the aircon on the entire day. And you are not going out until 9.30, 10 p.m. after dark because it is just so hot. And then every day, sunshine, sunshine. What's the weather today? Oh, sunshine. Oh, sunshine, 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 sunshine. So you have like the opposite now. And I never thought this would be a thing. But then when it starts raining, I'm like, oh, is this clouds? Like, is this rain? I was like, I can't believe it. So you can get the opposite thing here. But at least you don't feel like completely drained, you know? Like, it, yeah, it's I not like that. in England, you even get snow. You, you just have clouds for two months. And like five degrees, it's not freezing, it's not winter, it's just rain clouds, rain clouds, rain clouds, rain clouds all day, every day. The summer isn't really a summer, so I don't okay, know. that is weird. Yeah, very long and very miserable. 
Yeah, at least with the snow, you can go tobogganing, skiing. You know, I mean, there yeah. is some fun activities. It's just mm-hmm. cool. You got to dress up. Yeah. So yeah, I get no. that. Um, that's the other thing. I, I was listening to what you were saying, and you were talking about how you were trying to figure out what you liked and didn't like versus doing the three years in school, you know, on something you don't even know if you like. Now, you mentioned some uh, some other opportunities, such as interior design that interest you. So my question is, you know, because you mentioned interior design. So obviously that's, you know, the fact that you mentioned it first is probably meaning that it was a uh, high on your uh, interest list. Mm, How did yeah. you come up with what you're doing over just say pursuing the interior design? Um, I'm kind of more goal oriented. Um, so I struggled with the whole studying for the purpose of studying. And I, I still do like, I haven't stopped learning every day. I think I've learned something new ever since I've been, you know, doing my own thing because every day I run into a problem that I don't know the solution to or um, I got to troubleshoot something for a client or there's a new new tool that I need to use or I'm reading something to develop myself and my personal skills I love learning I don't love studying Um, I don't love exams I don't get the point of reading a book where the only purpose is to then write about the book that I just read but make it not sound like what the author wrote so that it's not plagiarism like I don't get that and then I don't do anything with that so by the time three years are finished I've kind of forgotten a lot of the things that I've read about I haven't had any practical application for it so it's kind of super random um so for for me I was like right what is my goal next my goal is to not work for very little money for very long hours for a lot of responsibility um and do that pointlessly for 15 years what else could I do okay virtual assistance what's that uh-huh okay I can offer services on the internet right okay what do I need to know to achieve that let me learn that and then I was like okay I've been doing techie virtual assistance for like two years what else is interesting mm, I kind of like selling things oh marketing right interesting let me learn some more about the different types of marketing people do in their business okay yeah I've set that all up let me learn about what makes it work and I kind of develop my skills like that because I I don't feel like just sitting down and pointlessly absorbing a load of information without any practical application is going to make any difference to me and that's why I never went to pursue interior design or logistics but then again I do I guess interior design for my clients funnels right I have to know how to make things look decent and convert. And I guess I do a lot of logistics type work as well. I do a lot of project management, you know, making sure that things are getting done by the people when they're needing to get done so that we can sell things. So I think I have a lot of aspects of the jobs that I was interested in, like back in the day, in the work that I do now, just not in the format of a specific job. And yeah, I guess I will never be able to do all the things that I may have had considered as options back when I was in school. That makes sense. I get that part. So at least there's a touch of, of everything, you know, so it's not just one thing. I guess that's how things stay interesting to a point. Mm. What What did you want to do when you were finishing school? Did you have a clear pathway you wanted to follow or? Ah, see, that was interesting. I've uh, I've done quite a few things in my life. And when I wanted to... Like, I knew schooling wasn't really for me. Um, 
whether I admitted that in the beginning or not, you know, to myself, I mean, I don't know, but it's, uh, it was clearly obvious that school was really, for me, it was more about meeting up with my friends. It was not yeah, really yeah. about the class. I mean, you know, um, like the English class, I'm like thinking I was born and raised in Canada. We speak English. What English? I mean, obviously it's not the same thing, but I couldn't make the connection. You know, I'm like sitting there going like Macbeth and reading that, how art thou, whatever. And I'm like going, why would I care about any of this? <laughs> so I never really connected with school other than the fact that you have more friends. Mm -hmm. um, so with that being said, what did interest me, which is kind of why the podcast works for me, was radio broadcasting. Now I did um, I did a co-op at a radio station out here, a popular one, and uh, man, was it ever exciting! Like I even got into DJing with my purpose of being noticed, so I can stay into radio and get on the like radio. It. Yeah, it was that was that was my main drive. But um, and then I got I was lucky enough that I in I found a way where I can play on radio, which was because. The, uh, the nightclubs would be uh, live on the radio. So they would book the nightclubs and who they put on the radio was their choice. So I got, I became popular in the scene. I got onto uh, the nightclubs that had the radio stations broadcasting. There's my debut. I'm on radio. Yeah. I, I mean, I was on four nights a week um, until I wasn't. And then at that point in time, I had to decide what do I do? Cause I wasn't really there for the clubs as we just established. So, I had to decide. I mean, I, I couldn't just play records for lack of a better description mm. for my whole life and radio and broadcasting interest. So how do I get to the next level? And it's one of those things that even if I want to go as a DJ, I'm going to have to start producing music. And that really did not interest me. Mm. So I'm thinking, so what do I do now? There was always a go to school option, but I've seen people who did that and end up doing everything, but get on the air and, I just came across other opportunities and then I just pivoted. Um, I got into the marketing uh, business, marketing and print, and I did very well with that. I mean, I became, um, I became in the top 100 uh, companies in North America before I sold the business. So mm -hmm. it was a good accomplishment. And then uh, I created an online radio. So that's kind of how I got in, into that. That lasted a while. My parents felt ill or fell ill and I kind of put that on pause and then so much time went by and I said, you know, whatever. So I, uh, you know, I, there's no point in going back. So then uh, that's how I kind of got into what I did today. I started off in real estate and then ventured out and built from there to uh, where now I'm doing uh, coaching and online business as well on top of the real estate. I think it's one of those things, right? Where when you're, when you're goal oriented, the most important skill that I think I figured out over time was just creative problem solving. Like, yes. I want to go in this direction. Like you said, I have the option to go take a course now. Like, what am I going to do with that? I, what, what I need to do is do something that takes me in the direction that I want to go. And it seems like such a weird thing to first say, okay, but before I can do this, I have to spend three years learning about it. And then I actually, it was really interesting. I hired someone um, like maybe a year and a half ago who just come from university, um, studied social media marketing type stuff. And I hired her to help with our social media, you know, for the agency before. And 
I was like, okay, then, so, you know, what's going to be your plan? Your goal is this. This is where I want us to go. Now you tell me how you're going to make that happen because that's, I guess, what you're getting paid for. Like, I don't want to think about the how. You're going to decide the best how and you're going to assess your own how and change it as needed and, you know, keep me up to date. And then I asked her, interestingly, if she could um, provide me with a report on the stuff that she's been doing. You know, how is it being received? What benefit are we getting to the business? Are we getting inquiries? Are we getting clicks? Are we getting interest of any kind? And she was like, oh, I don't know how I would figure that out. And then we got talking about qualifications and she basically told me that a lot of the stuff that they'd been learning in her marketing qualification is stuff from books that were published, you know, 15 years ago. And she'd never actually been told how to assess that her work is actually working. And I found that super weird because when I invest my time into something, I want to make sure that I'm getting a return on the time that I'm spending or a return on the money that I'm spending. And to be able to study for three years and to not know how to assess the success of your own work, I found that extremely fascinating. And then I thought, okay, this is just another sign on the fact that I would rather work with somebody who's got the light on up here who can say, okay, I'm going to try A, B, C, and here's how, how I'm going to check if it's working or not. And if it's not, I'm going to try D, E, F, and here's how I'm going to check if that's working over somebody who has a piece of paper that says, I studied marketing with a focus on social media because I, I don't see it meaning anything at this point. For sure. Now, here's the thing, right? Going to what you're saying, right? Like trying things like you've got two things going on. You've got a marketing business and a podcast business. So my question is, I mean, like, obviously you separated them. Was there a reason that you separated them versus just having it under one umbrella? And mm -hmm. how do you differentiate the, you know, the, the two from each other? And, you know, in terms of, you know, clients like how do you find clients is it a different process or is mm. it you know sort of do they blend with each other how do you get podcast guests you know in general like how, do, how does this all work for you mm, yeah so the reason why we decided to separate is we used to have it all under one umbrella um however doing marketing and tech is very hands-on because when a client is running ads spending 20 30 000 a day on ads and something breaks, you are going to jump when they click their finger. You know, they're like, hey, opt-ins are no longer arriving. Something is not working. It doesn't matter what time it is. And that got to the point where I felt that there was always something going on. And it became really hard to schedule things because when you're running two major launches at the same time, and you've got clients on different time zones and they sometimes need you later or earlier because that is just when people are online and they, they're able to have their webinar. They're able to do things at that time. You kind of got to be there once you get paid over a certain amount. You can't say, well, you know, it's out of my time zone. I'm not really going to show up for your top webinar and you're scared of tech. But then the podcast side of it, we were just doing as one of the services and it, it was the way karma service. You know, it's very predictable. Every Wednesday, an episode for client A. Every Friday, an episode for client B. They send the files. We edit them. 
we send them back. We write their show notes. We send them back. It gets published. Everyone's happy. No one's calling you at 10 p.m. No one needs anything at the weekend if you're doing your scheduling right. Um, it was just the most zen service that we were offering. It was fun. We still got to do, you know, more strategic things, but they weren't as high pressured and they weren't as rushed. So we kind of made the decision that for us, it's easier to focus on a service that's not going to kill us before long um, because it's way more sustainable. We can schedule things ahead of time as long as you've got good processes in place. It is pretty controllable. You know, of course, every once in a while you have a sponsor who doesn't like something that the person said and, you know, last minute there's got to be some changes made and things like that. But it doesn't compare to um, the pressure of being constantly on when someone is launching something. So we decided to split it out of the marketing side of things and then kind of scale it up on its own. And it makes it way easier when you only have to promote one thing. You know, I don't know, famous saying, and I don't know where it's come from, but if you speak to everyone, you speak to no one. And I think that was very much um, one of the challenges that I've had when you're trying to sell tech and marketing and podcast and this and that and that and that to everybody. It's way difficult. Whereas if I just say, hey, we will edit and produce your show. We will write your show notes and send them back to you. We will make you audiograms. Happy? Okay, let's do it. It's way easier than having to talk about all these different topics. Makes sense. Uh, you know what? That's uh, that's exactly my specialty, which is niche marketing, mm. right? I think everybody falls into the same trap as in who do you market to? Everybody. Because you're always scared to target one thing. It's almost like you, you feel like you're putting yourself in a box, which mm. isn't true because... If you're targeting a certain market, it doesn't mean you can't serve other people. You're just trying to be the best in that market. Yeah. Right. So and I totally get that. Back when I started out with virtual assistants, I was very much in the female business owner thing. So I don't know if you've noticed that online, but it's like, you know, women helping women entrepreneurs. And I, I am all for giving other people a leg up, but it's actually gotten to the point where, um, it's like if you're a if you're a man, you're like not welcome in like 90% of the groups online, which is something that I also find interesting. Um, but I, I was very much in that space. Um, but I actually still had like 50% of my clients that were men. And despite me basically having a headline on top of my website, because everyone was doing that, right? So I was learning from people who were all doing things the same way. So I did it as well, you know, total newbie sheep behavior but I joined in so like hey I provide tech support for you know female entrepreneurs blah 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 that was that would have been like something along those lines would have been the headline on the top of my website and still almost half of my clients were men so it doesn't really put people off to work with you it doesn't really do anything you know terrible like I still get people who um, get referred to me like I just did a strategy session last week Friday so although I 90% of the time talk about pristine podcast pristine podcast that's where my effort goes that's what I have the podcast on I still get clients that come for just marketing strategy nothing to do with podcasting like it doesn't matter I'm not losing out it just 
it's a sanity saver for me to just say, hey, I want to help you if you're a business owner and you are considering podcasting. I want to help you get started and keep it running so that you don't go crazy in the process. Because I've worked with so many clients now who will put out an episode and then not do it because this happened. And then the following week, they had a problem with the recording and the following week this happened. And it's so easy for things to go off track that I just want to make sure it doesn't. So that's what I focus like 90% of my marketing time on. And although I mostly work with podcasters who are business owners, we still edit, I don't know, four or five shows that are just entertainment. They're not business owners. So they've still come to work with us because they liked us and that's it. Yep. I get that. Now, here, let me ask you something. Like, because based on everything we just said, it sounds like almost like your marketing company was your original company and the podcast kind of stemmed out from there. And yep. it's almost like like the, the position I'm seeing based, seeing based on what you have said is that the marketing company is there and it's not forgotten, but the podcast company is sort of where our focus is right now. Yep, pretty much. That's where, I mean, from a work perspective, it's like 80% of the work for me personally, because I don't edit the shows. I just support our clients and help with their marketing side. So for me, 80% of my work effort is still marketing and strategy and 20% is podcasting. But for my boyfriend, it's like the opposite way around, right? Because he, together with our other editor, does actually all of the legwork. For him, it's like an 80-20 split in the other direction. Yes. But that is totally the way it's going to go. And I think everything, it's like an evolutionary process, right? I had to, when I got started with this, I had to get my foot in the door. I needed to get clients so I can replace my job. That's just what it is. And then I basically had no choice but to do something. Then it, that became the next stage and this is the next stage now. Like we picked the thing that we like the most and we're just going to focus in that direction. And maybe that's going to evolve in five years into something even more different. Like who knows? For sure, because you're growing or dying in life. Let's put it this way. Nobody, everybody wants to get into their comfort zone and wants everything to stay the same. But that is the furthest from the truth because things change. Like sometimes it changes because the industry changes. Sometimes it changes just because you change. Like, I mean, how many, I'm sure this has happened to everybody in life where they go through life, they're in their comfort zone. They're doing everything the way they've always done it. And it's still working. But all of a sudden, what they did, you know, for five years is not exciting like it was before. Now they're bored. And they're bored because they haven't evolved. The industry might have evolved, but it hadn't evolved to the point that it forced that person to evolve. Mm. So what ends up happening is they stayed in that comfort zone. So the challenge is gone. And now that the challenge is gone, boredom sets in. And now all of a sudden you're not as excited anymore. And it often turns out, oh, I'm burnt out or uh, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do it. When reality is you haven't grown. That's where the problem is. Mm. Or maybe you have grown, but the work hasn't grown with that, you. Yes. Like you've kind of just kept on doing it. And that's what I was saying. Like when I was in daycare, it wasn't that 
I didn't like what I was doing. I did like what I was doing, but I took over a very difficult daycare center that had a lot of problems. I fixed all of the problems over like two and a half years. And then I, I went to work every day for two months and it was just maintenance mode. So I was like, what am I going to do here? Like, I'm going to have to go get another job now because there isn't actually any challenge here. I'm just going to keep coming to work every single day to do the same thing for how many years? Five, 10, 15, 20. Like, what am I going to do here? So I don't know that that wasn't going to work for me. So I could have gone to another place that has a lot of problems. It would have been a very stressful two years. I would have fixed the problems. And then, well, I would have had to leave again because it's nothing challenging here. And I talked to the owners back in the day and I was like, so what are your plans now? Like we got this place fixed. Are you going to intend to buy another one? Are you going to intend to expand, offer more services? Are we going to, you know, expand this property? Are we going to do something? And they're like, no, no, we don't have any plans to do anything. So I was like, okay, that's problematic for me because I, I want to grow and I want to develop and I want to do things. And if I can't where I am, I'm going to have to go somewhere else. So I don't want to have the same problem in my business. So I do think that we do need to grow. I do think that we do need to challenge ourselves. I do think that we do need to offer new services now and again. And I think that's a good thing. And some people see it as a bad thing. They're like, oh, you're inconsistent. But I'm, yeah. I'm not sure. I, 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 yeah, it's just, see, the thing is, and this is my personal belief and maybe not, it doesn't apply to everybody, but I think a lot of times when you get someone who will say something like that, like you're inconsistent, it's because you're going against the grain, which makes them analyze their own life and they're happy where they are and consistent with what, where they are. They don't want to change, even though in their head, subconsciously probably saying they should change. So when they see someone that is changing or growing, and makes them feel insecure about their choices. So what ends up happening is it's much easier to point at you and say you got it wrong than for them to admit that maybe I need to do something. Yeah, and sadly, I've been in that boat. I've left a decent amount of people behind um, since I started doing this because that's what I mean. The, the development that had to happen, it wasn't just like having to learn new skills or something. It was very much having to um, change how not change who I am, but change how I behave and, and address some of those weaknesses and get, I mean, I'm not a fan of saying you have to get better at your weaknesses, but there are some where you're really going to struggle if you're not going to invest into learning about those things and getting better at it. Um, and sadly, I have left quite a few people behind over time just because they didn't really want to be learning new things and they didn't really want to develop. So Sadly, it's been a case of um, needing to choose to move on. And some people have indeed been very angry about it. Like, you know, blaming you for every single problem that they've ever had in their life kind of angry. And yeah. nobody talks about that, right? Nobody says, oh, this is hard, you know. I, I agree with you. And that's the thing, right? Like, it comes back to one line. Your network equals your net worth. And where I'm going with that is that as you grow, the people who got you to where you are today are not necessarily going to be the people who are going to get you to where you need to go tomorrow. Mm. So when you're progressing, things change. And it's not like you wake up and say, oh, well, Bob's not in the same spot I am today. So bye, Bob. 
I mean, it doesn't really work that way. But what ends up happening is you're going in your own direction and you're trying to grow in your own direction and you just lose touch naturally because you guys are going in a separate direction and it just doesn't meet. Yeah. Right. So it's not like you wake up and choosing to avoid somebody. They're just not on the same path. And when you're on the same path, it becomes extra hard to remain in contact. And even at a certain point, you end up on one side, somebody else ends up on the other side. What ends up happening is you, even when you do bump in, you don't have anything in common anymore. Yeah. And right? that's, and I, it's hard the closer those people are to you. Yeah, and but a lot of times people are taking this personal, like it, like you woke up that day and targeted them. Yeah. Reality is, it's not the case. You're just trying to do better for yourself. And unfortunately, doing better for yourself means there's going to be casualties in relationships sometimes. Yeah, and I, I think that's really the case. And also, I've, it's not like most people go and they're you know, hell bent on, I'm going to go in this direction and I don't care what anyone else is doing. Like, mostly it's not like that. Like, I am goal oriented, but I'm not at the point where, you know, there'll be a line of dead bodies behind me because I'm like, you know, get out of my way. I'm just going to go through. No, it's not like that. But it happens over a period of like two, three years where you just keep investing in yourself and you're like, I see that I want to go in this direction. So you check in, you're like, hey, do you want to go in this direction as well? Yeah, 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 I want to go in that direction as well. I like that. Okay, I'm I'm going to start then. So I'm going to start doing the work. And that person's sitting on the deck chair waiting. And then I'm like, hey, hey, um, did, did you want to go in this direction? Because I thought we talked about it. We wanted to go that way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally want to go that way. Okay, then. So I keep working and they're still on the deck chair. So that happens like 30 times. Yeah. And then you've changed, you've developed, and slowly the distance between you and them is unfortunately just getting bigger and bigger. So when you're shouting, hey, do you still want to come? The, the distance has gone up to a point where they can't hear you anymore. And whatever yes. they're replying, you're not hearing it anymore. It's not like it happens overnight. And a lot of times you've invited people to come along. Like I've said it multiple times to be at friends, to be at my ex. I'm like, is this where we're going to go? Yes, yes, this is where we're going to go. I want to go there as well. I think that's a good idea. But then nobody's doing anything about it. Agree. Like, look, even something something as basic as a nightclub, we're gonna, I'm going to use this as an example. When you're 20 years old and you go to a nightclub, it's exciting because it's something different, something new. And now you get to... Uh, Blair, you go to a place that's playing the music you like and it's blaring loud and there's nobody there to tell you to turn it down, right? And you, you get to explore, you know, with, with alcohol and that's fun at 20 years old, right? You're there with a bunch of friends, you're all squeezed together and, and it's just joyous. But if you're doing that at 40 years old, the problem is you, right? At a certain point in time, it's maturing and growing. At 40 years old, if that still interests you, you haven't grown Hmm. And I think the things that used to interest me, if they still interest me now, it's for different reasons. Yes. Like now, when I go out, it's rare for sure. But like I used to go out just for the purpose of having fun with my friends and having probably too much to drink. And now I still go out to socialize, but it's because I live in a foreign country and I have to, you know, anyone that's ever moved abroad permanently starts with zero zero friends zero anything zero stability you don't know the language like 
it is like you're starting again with nothing. So now I love to go out and I love to socialize, but absolutely not for the loud music and not for the endless drinks. And right. it is just a different, a different perspective. And I think it's like you said, right? If, if you're still stuck there and you still find the same things interesting for the same reasons, I would question that for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like at 20 years old, you come home drunk as a skunk, falling on the floor, plastered, uh, you know, and your friends are high five, right? At 40 yeah. years old, you're doing that. Anybody around you is going, you idiot. <laughs> it's the same yeah. action. Mm -hmm. Look at the re reaction. And, and right? I'm going, you idiot as well, because the hangover now lasts twice as long and it only takes half the drinks for the same amount of headaches. So I'm like, I'm so done with <laughs> <laughs> for sure so right? I try like, not to um, but so. it's it's something that it took me by surprise knowing that so many things I would learn about and so many things I'd never heard of and I'm like oh the world's way bigger than I thought it was and I want to see it all and I want to go places and I found it very very surprising to have people around me who are just like, nope, I'm not interested. You're crazy. And I'm like, why not? Like, I don't know what my friends think. They must think I've lost it. You know, I'll come back home and I'll be like, well, I'm having this problem with the taxes because ABC and this year is very complicated. And they're like, oh, I, I could send you this from Germany. I'm like, no, no, don't put it in the post. The post steals everything here or loses it or something. Don't bother with post. I'm like, just, I'll pick it up next time I'm home or something like that. So they all look at me like, yeah, you're weird. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just like, okay, then never mind. It's just different here. You don't understand because you're still in the same place that you were. You live in the same apartment you lived in. You've worked the same job that you worked 15 years ago. You're with the same person that you were with 15 years ago. Like nothing has changed in your life. You've never really been in my boat. So why would I expect you to understand my experience? I'm almost like, sorry for sharing that. Like I shouldn't have mentioned it. Just never mind. <laughs> See, yeah, it's funny how life works that way. But mm -hmm. um, I also want to be respectful of your time. And so I'm going to get down to the last couple of questions. Go for it. Um, one question, which I usually ask in the beginning, but we ventured off here is what, what point in time, like we all go through life, like or through our adventure in business and whatever. And we all go through those struggles to get there. But there's a certain moment in time we go, aha, okay, I'm in the right path. I mean, the right thing, this is working. Maybe not 100% of the way I thought it would be, but it's working. It's great. And I'm ready to double down on it because I'm where I belong. What was that moment for you? That is a really nice question. I hope people like it usually. So I think I had that moment relatively early on, luckily. And I think it was really important for me to have that um, because it gave me the strength to not pack it in. And I had plenty of opportunities in the last six years where I could have said, screw it, like I'm just going to go get a job because it's easier. And for me, I decided once I heard about this virtual assistant thing that I was going to spend every night, every weekend, like working to get my own clients to replace my job. And if I could sell enough to get enough clients for me to earn the same amount of money, then I don't have to go to work for someone else anymore. 
And I managed that relatively quickly within like three, four months. I wasn't quite there. Like I was like, let's say, I don't know, 300 pounds or so short. So like 500 bucks. But like I'd made like 2,500. I could make another 500 if I quit my job and give my four weeks notice. I'd have four weeks to make another 500 and I'd then have the time to actually deliver it. So I sort of had to gamble a little bit. And I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. I could have probably still pushed a little bit, but I'm, I had to commit to it. I'm very much, if there isn't a deadline, if there isn't a reason for why I have to do it, then I'm, I'm not going to. Like The only reason why I do my taxes is because the fine goes to a point where I don't want to pay it anymore at some point. So then I'm a bit like, oh, I better do my taxes. So the, the point where I understood that I'm on the right pathway was when I managed to actually quit my job because... I didn't have very much experience. I didn't have a huge network. I just knew a few people and I was able to get on calls. I was able to get them as clients and I was able to do the work. So if I can do that once, I can probably do it again. And that sort of gave me the knowledge that I have my future in my hands. Like I'm not dependent on someone else to give me money at the end of the month. I'm not dependent on other people to send me clients so I'm, I'm not dependent on anyone else like I can do this by myself and I think that's hugely helped me to just keep going and it wasn't perfect I was undercharging I was overworking I was making all the mistakes under the sun that I know now not to make anymore but I knew I could do it makes sense and for aspiring entrepreneurs who are doing the corporate hustle and are unhappy doing it, but want to make the switch and is scared, what would your advice to them be? Hmm. Get very friendly with fear. Like maybe it's fear, maybe it's excitement. Like you never quite know. And you don't really, like fear I learned is like super pointless because you're worrying about something that hasn't happened yet. You don't even know it's going to happen. So what is something that you can do today that has very little bad consequences that is going to take you like one step into the direction that you want to go? It could be that today I'm going to figure out one thing that someone else could give me money for and I could do for them. Tomorrow, I'm going to tell one person about that. What is the worst thing that's going to happen? The worst thing that's going to happen is the person says, uh, no, I don't need that. Thanks, but good luck. That's probably the worst thing that's going to happen. So if every day you just pick one, two, three actions that you could take that take you in the right direction, you will find that you'll make a huge amount of progress in three months and you don't even have to take all that much risk. You don't have to tell your boss. You don't have to tell your parents. You don't have to tell anyone. You could just do it very quietly in the background and then you'll get towards your goal and you didn't have to take huge risks there wasn't actually anything scary about it now that I look back I just picked some services I could offer I told someone about it they paid me money I figured out how to deliver the thing I made some mistakes along the way as I went I learned I got better and then I just kind of repeated that but at no point was anything like so terrifying that I, I couldn't have done it. I had more personal things, actually, that would have given me a reason to quit 
then I had work things, you know. So, yeah, I think I would just pick a couple of things and just keep keep chipping away at it every night a little bit. Amazing. Now, finally, where could people find you online? Yeah, sure. So um, if you're interested in all things podcasting, then pristinepodcast.com is where you'll find us. Mostly I'm on Instagram as well as on Facebook. Um, so yeah, that's the place to connect on all things podcasting. And then if you're interested in marketing or you like bad memes and absolutely unfunny puns and stuff like that then you can find me on instagram at jessica Dornin, and you can just connect with me there and you know i'm happy to talk about all things you know business and life failures and all that good stuff but that's where i'm more in a personal friendly capacity if that makes sense it does i want to say thank you very very much for being on the podcast this has been a slice I mean, I could, I could talk for hours, but obviously, you know, at some point in time, we got to uh, move on to the next part of our day. And uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it was absolutely a great, great time. Thank you very, very much. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So guys, if you have liked this podcast, you can subscribe on the link below. If you want to reach out to Jessica, she gave you the connection to reach her. And I'm going to put the links in the show. I want to say thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you again on the next podcast.